Hello, welcome to Speaking from Water, episode 19. I am with the very special Maria Fernanda, and we are um, on the um, Speaking from Water show, where we deliver the top water professionals in the world, from water photographers to big wave surfers to um, lifeguard athletes. And I'm very excited to have Maria with me today. Um, she is just an outstanding uh, artist out of Porto Escondido. And if you haven't ch checked her out on Instagram, please do. Her work is absolutely incredible. Uh, her swimming abilities and big ocean surf are just uh, unparalleled on, on planet Earth, really. So um, with that said, um, Maria, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, how, how are you doing today and, um, and uh, how are the waves? I'm good. I'm actually in the city right now. I was in Puerto until two weeks ago, um, a week and a half ago. So do you kind of spend your, your summers in Puerto capturing your images and then um, when the season's over, you, you move on? Yeah, that's kind of what I do. If I do have work before that, I I go, you know, for the few days that I have work and then I come back. Right now, my base is in Mexico City, which, you know, it's pretty landlocked. But then it's easier to travel from here to other places. Um, so I, exactly what you said, I usually spend the summers in Puerto, um, shoot there, and then I move for the next uh, place for the winter season. So right now in two weeks, I'm heading to Europe. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Where in Europe are you going? Um, Spain and Portugal. Incredible. How's that looking for you? Is it a, a mainly photo trip or are you going to go see family? Um, well, I'll, I'll uh, go visit my brother, but then yes, I am um, shooting the coast. So uh, the big wave spots in Spain, which they are not very consistent. I've never, honestly, I've never seen the waves, you know, work over there. So this trip, I really hope I can get, you know, some of the big wave spots working. And then Portugal, I've been in Nazareth for Supertubos, you know, so I'm heading there again. Um, and hopefully I'll get good condition and waves. Epic. So how was your summer? Um, it was good. It started really good uh we had a couple big swells in may and we thought it was going to be an amazing year or like an amazing season and honestly it wasn't <laughs> um it wasn't very consistent you know there was not many big swells and then the ones that we had they were not clean um so that was a bit of a bummer um but then again that's surf you know <laughs> yeah you, you, you sometimes can and sometimes you get you know skunked so <laughs> totally can't control it so I want to get a little bit into your history here you came into surf photography um in in your early 20s as I understand uh coming from like a, a business background um how 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 did you decide to to leave a, a world of uh, I, I guess supposed um you know security as they say into into the the deep unknown um well I always had a passion for photography. And I actually asked my parents, like, well, told my parents, like, oh, I want to go into photography. And my dad, especially, he was like, no. <laughs> you know, like I have parents that grew up in the city. So it's just, like this city, 
mindset and it was just like too crazy for them to imagine that but I did grew up uh, swimming um, I was a swimmer most of my life so since I was seven I was a competitive swimmer and I think that gave me you know like the swimming part um, and like the passion for the water so after I graduated um, that I traveled to Hawaii that's when I discovered you know it's like oh I can you know mix the swimming part with the photography part that both of them I I liked separate you know and but I still didn't see it as an option for a career um so I like started doing surf photography I learned from um this surf photographer and videographer named Peter Sterling. He's from Maui. Well, he used to shoot in Maui a lot, a lot of uh, windsurfers. And he kind of taught me the basics. You know, I was like, I knew how to swim, but I didn't know about the ocean. So he taught me currents and positioning and, you know, like some things that you need to know that if you're not from the ocean or you did not grow by the ocean, it's like a different world. Um, and then I just started hanging out with uh, a lot of bodyboarders from Hawaii and I kind of just learned from them you know it's like they would take me to their um, secret spots and they were like well you can wait at the beach or you can swim out with us so I was like well, I'm definitely not waiting in the beach so they would just like give me a pair of fins and I would just swim out with them and wait for them in the channel so that kind of like threw me into that you know like world um and then when I like combined both of them, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I saw like other people doing it for a living, um, even though it's not, like you said, it's not a very safe <laughs> economically <laughs> career as it would have been, you know, stayed in, in the city and just do something normal, you know. Um, but it's it's been so rewarding. And I like, it's opened this endless world of possibilities and, it just like has provided me the opportunity to to visit the world through it, you know, and and know this new, I don't know, it's, I think it just changes your mind, opens your mind in another level. If you're coming from a city, you know, like everything is planned, um, you know, like you just follow the steps and you do this and you follow the crowd and you do. So it is, it's been amazing for me definitely a roller coaster <laughs> sounds like just an epic experience you've, you've put yourself in and on it, and tell me a little bit more about um well how how you decided to to go to hawaii and did you know anyone there and then how did you meet peter peter's a um for those who don't know a very og original and um his work's incredible um he's one of the pioneers of, of surf mm -hmm. photography so you were very lucky to meet him um how did you meet him and then how did you build and form that relationship okay so well the first time i went to hawaii i've never been before you know so i graduated from college and i remember i looked for for work for a year and i couldn't find anything you know and so my mom actually was on it was like why don't you go volunteer to hawaii you know you you always had this fascination for surf culture and there is this um organization that's called surfing the nation um in oahu so i was like okay yeah so i applied i volunteered there for uh three months and in that time that's when i met um piper llewellyn who back in the day was like a 
bodyboarder. He's well, I mean, he's still bodyboarder, but before you know, he was like more. He was more in the competitive, and um, you know, he he was doing it more often. And yeah, sorry, he was one of, what what year was this? Just so for context. Um, twenty twelve, I think it was, or twenty eleven. And you said you're on Oahu. Yes, I was in Oahu, so there. Piper was the one that told Peter, like, so Peter was already looking, which this doesn't happen often, you know, it's like in the surf industry, I feel like it's a very egocentric culture and no one is just going to help you out of hand, especially not a girl that has nothing to do with the ocean. Um, but Peter was like looking to mentor someone or like to pass along what he knew. And he used to hang out a lot um, where we were volunteering and so Piper told Peter, I was like, oh, there's a girl that's a swimmer. Maybe she can learn, you know? And so that's how he introduced me to Peter. And then Peter talked to me and was like, well, you got to be serious about those things, you know? It's like, he told me like, well, this is a very dangerous, you know, thing to do. You cannot just come and, and do it because, oh yeah, it sounds fun. Like if you are going to do this, you have to commit. And I was like, yeah, and I'm very competitive. So I was like, okay, he's doubting me, you know? So I have to prove that I can do this. And I remember he told me, he's like, well, and you're a girl. So are you sure you want to do this? Like, this is dangerous. You could die. I was like, yeah. Like the fact that he told me like, you're a girl, are you sure you're going to do it? Like, I'm going to prove him. I'm going to do it, you know? So it, it like, it helped because that just pushed me. I was like, yeah, I'm serious about this. So I actually came back to Mexico City, worked for five months saved some money and went back in the winter because that was summer. Okay. So I came back to Mexico to save money and then go back in the winter because that's when he was like, okay, if you're going to come. At this Sorry. point, we're gonna, I, I apologize to interrupt. This is when you were like, now I'm going to get the camera. Now I'm going to get the water housing. No, actually not. Um, he He's like, just come back and I'll teach you. And I was like, okay, do I need to get something? He's like, no, no worries. Uh, he actually got me or he told me to buy one of those disposable cameras that they sell at the, you know, um, I don't know, 7-Eleven or something like that. You know, the ones that you develop and it's just one use and you throw them away. Um, and he's like, if you can take good photos with this camera, you can take good photos with any camera. So that's what we did, you know? So I, I bought one of those and that's how I started. Um, and I remember like, you have to wait to develop them. And it's like, okay, not that bad. <laughs> Um, and no, it was actually, that was this winter. And then next summer I went back to Hawaii. Um, and then I had met Bethany Hamilton, um, cause she was friends or she grew up with my friend Piper, who was a bodyboarder. Um, and so they invited me to do the swim of the Nepali coast in their island, Kauai. Um, and she's like, hey, we're doing this swim for three days. You know, do you want to come? I know you're a swimmer. Maybe you can um, join us. I'm just going to swim with my other friend. And then you would be the third one that will swim with us. Um, so I did that. And it was an amazing trip. You know, I was like, I think it was like nine kilometers per day, something like that. Um, and it was one of the best experience of, experiences of my life. And I remember there, she was like, hey, how's... Um, photography going like surfing photography because I already had told her like yeah I'm trying to get into you know surf photography and she's like well if you're serious you can come and practice with me next winter and that's when it you know it's like it clicked I mean then she was 
still, you know, like one of the most famous surfers in the world. I mean, she still is, but, you know, she was at the peak and, you know, Alana Blanchard was still, you know, surfing also competitively and all that. So I was like, I, you know, this is a opportunity of a lifetime. Like what girl from Mexico City has this opportunity to practice with two of the best, you know, surfers in the world right now. So I came back to Mexico City and that's when I was like, okay, I need to save money, buy my camera, like a real camera and just go for it, you know, try. So that's when I, when I did it, I like sold my car, <laughs> bought my camera, water housing, um, a ticket to Hawaii and went back for the winter season. <laughs> and I guess that's when everything started. Was that the winter of uh, 13 or 14? Yes. I think that was the winter of 13. Incredible. So you're out in, really in, in your first winter on the North Shore. And the, as everyone who's probably listening knows, the North Shore is just ground zero for heaviness on land and sea. And you're um, where were you staying and um, whereabouts? So, okay. So she invited me to go to Kauai for a month. Well, she, to practice with her. So I stayed with my friend's um, family in the North Shore of Kauai. And then I would go shoot sometimes with her, but then I would also shoot a lot with all the bodyboarders. Like I would hang out more with the bodyboarders. And I think that gave me, you know, like this solid ground for swimming in bigger um, waves and just like, just pushing myself more because he was a bunch of guys. I was like, I cannot complain. If I complain, they're not going to invite me anymore. You know, like I'm not going to be the little cry girl that doesn't want to swim out. So I, I just, it helped me to push my limits. And then after that month, I was like, I think I can swim at pipeline, you know, already because I've been swimming in pretty heavy waters. Um, so that was my goal for my first winter. I was like, okay, after Kauai, I can go back to Oahu for another month and maybe I can swim at pipeline. And I remember I did. It wasn't obviously a big day, you know, but I was like, I did it. I was like, oh, okay. I can keep pushing myself more. So um, my goal for next winter was to swim, you know, it's bigger, day, better and all that. And yeah, it was just like a little snowball rolling down and like, okay, I can do this better. I can improve myself and it was like a competition with myself you know to just push myself to do um, bigger surf better waves better photos of course and um you keep bringing up the word um competitive and and swimming and um i i myself am a, a big swimmer i love swimming and i i love everything about it you know it's static water it's in a pool it's nothing but you and and um, the swimming culture that everyone who does swimming competitively shares is this competitive seed. Um, can you kind of talk about like how that was planted in you at an early age with your swimming and how a little bit about your swimming career? I'm, I'm interested in, in that and how that kind of, you know, brought you even to this moment of, of time of who you are. Yeah, well, I started very young, you know, um, seven years old. And it was interesting because at the beginning, I, I didn't like competing. <laughs> I had no desire to compete. I loved training. You know, I remember we did double sessions. Like my mom would wake me up at 4.30 in the morning when I was eight years old. And she's like, are you sure you want to go swim right now? <laughs> she didn't want to take me. <laughs> and I was like, yes, mom, I'm ready. You know, <laughs> but she would take me before school and then after school. 
Um, and then it kind of shifted, you know, when I was like in my teenage years, then I didn't want to train, but I love competing, you know, that adrenaline you are feeling before, you know, they say go or like, you know, they shoot. Um, it just, I lived for that. You know, I love that adrenaline, like rush before every contest. Um, but of course in my teenage years, training wasn't the best. I mean, seeing my friends every day, yes, but you know, and then it's just that, I think it trains you to be uh, discipline, consistency and all that. Um, and then just push, push yourself, you know, even when you feel like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. But all that, um, all those years of doing it, you know, as because um, it was not like, oh, today I don't feel like swimming anymore. I, I won't go. If not, we're kicked out of, you know, the team. So I think that brought me up to the point that I am today, you know, because I mean, surfing, uh, photography and all that is not easy either. You know, you have injuries and, and you're sacrificing so much. But I think all that mindset that I grew up um, in this swimming environment are like the competitiveness of it and training for that it helped me or it built me onto who I am today do you still swim laps today um not really now now I get bored I love the ocean way more <laughs> it's just I think I hate um routine you know like doing the same every single day um and so the ocean gives you that you know like everything is different from one day to the other you know it depends on the weather it depends on you know it's like so many factors um and it makes it different every day and i love that newness of the day um but actually i have a contest the first contest i've had in a long time um next saturday and i'm doing an open water swimming race um with some of my former um, swim mates so it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be fun so I have been training in the pool for that a bit excellent so kind of when you're in Mexico City that's the kind of time when you'll go back to the pool and just stay wet on a daily basis and keep your shoulders right exactly yeah it's like even if I don't like it as much but I cannot just forget about swimming you know it's like I have to be swimming constantly to be ready for when the season starts. So I do go into the pool and train a little bit um, so I can be ready for next season. <laughs> What's the swimming race out of curiosity? What do you, um, where is it? What are you doing? Um, it's in La Paz in Baja California, in Mexico. And it is 35K um, between four. It's kind of relay. So everyone swims. It's like half an hour. You swim for half an hour and then you rest an hour and a half while the others swim. Then you swim again half an hour and you finish while the team finishes when you complete the 35K. Sounds super exciting. Well, I, I wish you yeah. good luck. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of your photos, especially at, at Porto, just seem like, all right, you're in like a very risky situation. Um, it's a beach break and it's super heavy. Contrasting that with a spot like Pipeline where you can kind of take shelter in a channel, shoot with more of a zoom lens, um, kind of explain to us the the nuance between those two environments. You know, Pipeline is very scary and heavy and you can die there. It's not like it's easy to sit in a channel because it's moving around. Um, kind of break break that down for us. 
Yeah, I remember. So I remember my friend telling me, my bodyboarder friend telling me, like, I told him the first time, yeah, you should come with me to Puerto. And he was like, no, I'm not ready for that. I'm like, why? You serve every day at Pipeline. Why are you not ready for that? You know, I was like, how is that so different? And I remember he told me something. And with the years, I was like, oh, he was so right. Um, he told me, he's like, Puerto demands so much, uh, basically, from you. You know, it's it's probably not as dangerous the fact that if you get pounded, you're just going to hit the sand, even though it's hard. Don't get me wrong, you know, but it might be less shallow than pipeline. And if you hit, you hit the sand, you don't hit the reef and you don't get stuck in the caves at pipeline, you know, where you said you can die. Um, but it does demand you more physically because you have to be in better shape for swimming because there's not a set channel. The channel moves with every set. So you have to be swimming constantly. And I proved that, you know, it's like, I remember at Pipeline, I could be swimming for four hours and then five hours, you know, it's same in Tahiti, you know, in Chopu. Um, and you're fine. Of course you get tired, you know, but it's not in Puerto, a good solid day. You cannot swim for more than two hours. You know, your body is completely exhausted or at least I can't, you know, because um, you are swimming constantly. In the other places where you have a channel, you can rest it. You know, you can float for a little bit, you can rest, relax for a bit. And then when you feel ready enough, you, you, you keep swimming, you know? In Puerto, you have to be swimming constantly because the currents get in your way and they start dragging you to one side, it keep throwing you, you know, far out to sea. So that keeps you on your toes. You literally have to be kicking all the time, moving all the time, um, sprinting, not even, to pass a set, but just to move away from the currents. So that's the difference, you know, like it demands you so much energy. And then also, if, you know, you cannot really read where the set is gonna come. It's a little harder. Um, so you have to position yourself and that's what makes it, in my opinion, so different and difficult at the same time, you know? Well said. That's such great advice. Now, when you're at a place like Porto for an extended period of time and it's not going off the entire time, uh, how do you fuel your uh, artistic soul, your your aesthetic sensibilities? Do you um, venture off and shoot other kinds of water? Uh, do you shoot water at a um, a different magnitude? Um, what what's kind of your um, your your call in that regard? Um, after a while you do get tired, <laughs> you know, it's like the first time I'm like, oh, this is fun. Finally, some small waves where you can relax and get some fun, you know, different shoot shots. Um, and then it's fun for the first two days, three days, but then you get tired of it, or at least I do. Um, but I, that's when I actually get to surf. So I wasn't, you know, a born surfer. So for me, I learned to surf when I was an adult um, and, and I don't do it constantly or as often I, as I would like, because um, when the waves are good, I shoot. <laughs> so I never got to be that good. And so when the waves are small, that's when I take advantage of it and surf. Um, and then there's other breaks, you know, I love Barra de la Cruz, which is, I don't know, two hour drive from Puerto. Um, and then I go there, I surf, I have fun for me, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm happy there's no waves, you know, I, I don't have to think about working or shooting and I get to surf a little bit. So that's when it's my turn to surf. 
and enjoy. When you do surf, um, do you love this the, uh, set aside, you know, the professionality of it all um, and just take it down to the act? Do you love um, the surfing more or the taking of the pictures more? Um, huh, interesting. I get very frustrated with the surfing part because, you know, I don't surf for a year and then I surf for three days and I'm like, oh, I wish I was better, you know? Um, but I do enjoy a lot surfing. Um, the thing is I do experience more adrenaline while shooting. So I like shooting more sometimes in big waves because even though it's, more like a work but I, I am feeling the adrenaline when I surf you know because I'm not surfing huge waves I don't get to feel that much of adrenaline you know I guess if I was a better surfer I would like surfing bigger waves but <laughs> I've never got to that point do you aspire to um to increase your wave size um yeah I guess so yeah I think I, I would I need to get better at it first you know practice more so I can surf bigger <laughs> Yeah, I would just think, you know, you being someone who can put yourself in those positions, you've you've had so much experience in big waves, just being in the water that it probably would come naturally to you. Um, but my next um, kind of way place I want to go with you is to Tahiti. Uh, your pictures from Tahiti are incredible. Um, kind of uh, let us know how you got there and what that experience was like. Um, for me, that place is like. I guess the favorite, my favorite place in the world. It's so magical. Um, and then I went there 2017. Um, I don't even remember how or like what made me go there. I do have friends there. I like met them before. Again, bodyboarders. I don't know. I, I feel like I just like the, my core group of friends were bodyboarders. And I, I guess through the bodyboarders from Hawaii that I met the ones in Tahiti. And so I remember they used to come a lot um, to Hawaii in the winters. And that's when I met them. I'm like, oh, you should come. You love here. Um, and so I ended up going. Uh, and they were right. I loved it. And I think it's more just the whole community, you know, how happy they are, welcoming. And I mean, of course, the wave is amazing. But I feel the people is what makes makes you love that place you know that people are amazing um and yeah I loved it and like I said it's it's just a magical way and a perfect way you know it's just it breaks all the time in the same same place you have the channel then it's a color of water that is just insane you know it's like crystal clear blue water um barrels that can you know it's like I was talking to a friend yesterday and he was saying, yeah, even when there's onshore winds, the wave still breaks so perfectly. You know, it's like, yeah, if you have a good direction of swell, you, you'll have amazing waves. It doesn't matter if there's wind or there's no wind. It's just perfect. So very like photo aesthetic, you know, it's, it's just insane. I love it. <laughs> and there's so many waves too, you know, it's not just Chopo, like so many waves around there. Um, in even in the other islands, it's just yeah. Can you expand a little bit more on this water uh, from Tahiti? Because it is, I I keep hearing it is so special. Uh, from your uh, aesthetic sensibilities, um, what what was that like when you first got to put your camera in there and 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 get grab it? 
Um, well, first of all, you, you get there on boats, you know, I remember I swam once, but it's like a 30 minute swim to the line, you know, to line up where, where it is it's outside. It's not on the beach, so it's in the outside reef. Um, and I think that's what keeps the water so clean. Um, and of course you're in the middle of the ocean, you know, it's, there's no, I don't know, big continents around. Um, and it's just like, it's a shelf where the water hits and and just even seeing it from the boat is amazing because at least me, I'm used to see beach break, you know, you're, you're used to see the water come to the sand and to like the beach. Um, and here it's just, you're out there in the ocean, you know, surrounded by water and all of a sudden it's just water in another step, you know, it's like, higher up from the rest of the water for me that was trippy you know it's like I've never seen this before um and how all of a sudden the wave forms you know because you have two levels of water you know it's literally like a step and then water is higher you're in the same ocean as the other water and that's when the wave obviously forms because it's hitting you know the, the reef um but it's just amazing to see it all from the water. For me, that was very trippy at the beginning. I've never seen something like this, you know, and you see like kind of like a horseshoe and how it goes around it. And it's not just like a straight line, you know, it, it's, it's a horseshoe that surrounds the reef and then it breaks and it comes like, you know, kind of in like half a circle. Um, and it was just, yeah, very trippy and amazing to see at the same time. And of course, my feeling was like I want to be there you know it's like when I see these things I don't want to just admire it from the sidelines I want to be inside you know it's like no I want to be inside there and feel that energy you know it's like I feel like feeling the water and the energy and just all of it just gets you excited about it <laughs> it's so much different than just sitting on the boat even though you're kind of seeing the same thing you know but then when you're in the water you're feeling it as well what was your lens of choice there? Um, I've shot with a 24 to 85. And I think I also shot with a 70 to 200. Um, but I think, yeah, a 50 for me is mostly, most of the cases, I, I, I like 50. You know, I, I like to portray what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling. And I think that is the one that captures it more realistically, um, you know, because you can shoot with that, which I never did but with the wide angle and all that. And you get different, you know, feelings and you, you're showing something different. But I, I liked, you know, my viewers to see exactly what I'm seeing and to experiencing what I'm experiencing. And I think that's why 50 is my lens of choice or like, yeah, what I like to shoot with. It's just literally, you know, explaining to the viewer what I, what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing. And now is that a fixed 50? No, I usually do the 24 to 85 just so I have, so you, you have know, like to play with. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, now I want to kind of go back a little bit to this um, body border surfer culture thing, because not many people have experience with uh, both groups. What, and what, what is kind of, do you think the, um, the, the major difference between these two cultures. They, they both play in the same um, arena, but I know from circumstances that they are very different um, people. Can you kind yes. of- Yes. 
Well, my point of view is, and it's and it's funny because I do. I mean, I kind of was, I would say, raised, you know, with bodyboarders, but I do shooting surfers. I think it's more aesthetically pleasing, and it just the waves look more dramatic when they're standing, you know. But I love bodyboarders because I think they're more of a soul surfer. You know, it's just like. They're more roots and they do it more for the love and the passion of it. And I like that um, mentality. You know, it's just, they don't do it as much for um, the glory of it. You know, it's just like they are enjoying it and they do it because they actually love it. And they don't care what other people think, you know, because of course surfers don't like bodyboarders and, you know, the other way around. But I mean, there's not, if there's not much money in surfing in general, there's definitely not money in bodyboarding now. And they still do it because I love it. And I, I really admire that from them, you know, as they truly have a passion for it and a love for it. And they don't care what other people think. And if there's money involved and if they're going to be, you know, in like a cover magazine or they're going to make millions because they're going to have sponsors, they just do it because they have a passion for it. And, and I love that, you know, it's just like, and, and they're at least the ones that I know they're very heavy, you know, they love heavy weights. Um, they're just gnarly. So I, I love that. I think I admire more the bodyboarders in that aspect, even though I like taking photos of the surfers. <laughs> it's weird. Wow. That, that is just an incredible, um, vision you've just given us. I, I, I love that. And, if, uh, it is like the bodyboarders can even get into more slabby, heavy situations. And that's kind of what they're going for. And and exactly you as a water photographer naturally, you know, fit in those in those spots. Um now you're going uh into the future here to to Europe. Uh what how how do you view your your water um um escapades uh, going forward? Um and by that I mean uh, how are you preparing yourself mentally to hit these beaches that you've not maybe been to before that are going to be very heavy? Uh, and and when you do so, I'm sorry for the long question. When you do so, what are kind of the things you're looking out for environmentally um, to keep safe but maintain um, your goal? Well, first of all, I do not like cold water. <laughs> and this year I went to Chile, you know, to Punta de Lobos, which is really cold water and i must say from the two weeks that i was there i just got in the water twice <laughs> i was like this is not worth it you know i was um i went with a surfer so she needed footage from outside anyway so i was like i'm happy to stay in shore which really doesn't happen much often you know when there's warm water but this time i was like nope i'm happy to stay outside film from outside you know um so that in itself, just the cold water, it's a very big step for me. And it's just something that I need to get over. And so this time that I'm going back to cold water, I'm like, okay, I need to push myself in that aspect, you know, it's like just get myself to enjoy cold water and be in this cold water. Because it's just even wearing, you know, a suit that kind of restricts you a little bit and it's more, I feel like it's more energy that you're using, you know, trying to move with all that weight on top of you and um, tightness. Um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting. So I'm trying to prepare myself mentally, <laughs> doing a lot of ice baths lately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that is, that is probably what I'm more worried about. 
Will you have a built-in built hood? Yes, I do have the built-in hood. I have the two options, you know, it's like the 4.3, which doesn't have the built-in hood. And then I have the 5.4, which does have the built-in hood. <laughs> and and what are the big wave spots you're looking to hit? Um, So I'm going to be working with a surfer. I think it's going to be a Coruña. And then I would like to see Mondaka work. Um, I think there's another uh, Rocaputa that I would like to see at work. Um, and then from there, probably Nazareth, if there's a big swell. I, I don't think I'll get in the water if there's a big swell in Nazareth, honestly. Um, I did take the jet ski course, the rescuing and towing um, four years ago in in Portugal, Nazareth. Um, so I would like to probably refresh that and, and drive more. And that's kind of like my kind of retirement plan, you know, it's like in the future, I know I cannot swim in big waves forever. And probably I have, I don't know, eight years, 10 years max, not more, if God allows, you know, it's like I don't get injured or whatever before that. So um, I think kind of my retirement plan would be be able to keep doing what I do from from jet ski. So I I want to, yeah. Expand so you're, my you're knowledge. Eat in position and then shoot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or have a driver. Or but yeah, I I think I would like to drive myself and also shoot. I don't know. It's just I think more fun. <laughs> so, so you've done this before. Um, I've I've drove the jet ski. I don't do it often because I don't have a jet ski and I haven't practiced much. But um, I've drove jet ski before. Um, and I've also been in you know, behind the jet ski shooting. Yeah. And like outer reefs in Hawaii and other places. Mm -hmm. how, like how a did, lot of water moving. How did that material come out for you? And are you shooting um, zoom lens in, the, in these situations? It is hard to do a longer lens because it's a lot of movement and it's not, it's like the water moving, the jet ski moving you know, then you are moving. Like everything has their own movements. And so when you have a long lens, it's hard to um, keep everything straight, especially if you're shooting video. Um, but then it also depends on the driver. If you have a good driver, if they can get you closer, then you can have a shorter lens and it's just easier. Um, so yeah, I think it all depends on the shooter, um, like the driver of the ski. Is, is video looking at your Instagram feed, um, it looks like it's a, a major component to your photography. Uh, how do you balance the two? And is is one, um, do you like one more than the other? And kind of tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I definitely love photos. I do not like video much. Um, I don't even, I don't really edit video much. Um, so when I've done um, videos for work or something, I usually tell them, no, I don't edit unless it's very simple edits. Um, I hate it. I hate being in front of the camera for hours and end and editing. I do not like it. You know, the whole technology thing, it's not my thing. Photos, I enjoy. You know, if I take a photo, I want to see it in post-production and like, you know, complete it. I like seeing that progression and like from the raw to, you know, um, edited photo. Uh, videos, I don't. But, you know, everyone told me we are heading into that direction where, you know, photo, it's going to be, you know, left behind and video, it's what's coming and what you need to be doing. And even though I resisted myself for the longest time, 
I am doing now videos. Um, and I think it's, it's good, you know, it opens, it just like gives you more opportunity to do both. Um, but yeah, I enjoy photos for sure. That's my favorite. And videos, I just do it when, you know, work asks for it. <laughs> On that note, business-wise, what what kind of, um, how does your market look? And um, tell us a little bit about your, your business model. Um, it's very, it's weird. I don't even know how to explain it. I do have different ways of, I guess, making money. You know, it's like I work with surfers individually. Like, you know, some surfers take me traveling you know like okay i'll pay you all the expenses you're gonna come with me and you're gonna shoot you know all kinds of footage photos videos and everything um for this amount of time you know that you're gonna be traveling with me so that's one way of doing it and then i also do chase big swells you know and if it's like an epic swell um and you have pro surfers then you get to send your photos to magazines you know to the sponsors and then that's another way of making money um then when i'm in puerto i do have um private you know surfing sessions when they're like oh i want to hire you for a couple hours i want you to shoot for me this uh i don't know two hours or something like that just video or just photo or from the water you know so that's another way of doing it um another way is during my season in puerto like there's a lot of surfers that go um for one month, two months. And so what I do is while I'm in Puerto, I open files of all the surfers. And then at the end of the trip, I was like, hey, do you have photos of me? I'm like, yeah, I have your file here. It depends how big of a file it is. You know, it's like, oh, I shot him, I don't know, five days, or I have footage of him for, I don't know, two weeks. It depends on the cost. Um, so that's another way of money. And then I also work um sometimes with SoCal Surfer, which is a YouTube video. Um, so I film for him and then that's another way of um making money. And then I do sometimes for brands, you know, it's like bikini brands or uh, product brands that hire me is like, okay, we need this shoot, and I do, and or those are the ones that make the most money, you know, in the least amount of time. And the beginning i wasn't so happy about shooting models and stuff but i do love working now for especially for i don't know bikini brands because it's just mostly surfers that sometimes they get in water sometimes they just i I like shooting anything beach you know it's like outside the water but close to the ocean so now i'm enjoying that a lot you know working with brands so that's another way of making money <laughs> And I see some uh, very beautiful pictures behind you, um, and they they are mounted on the wall. How how do you oh. view uh, selling pieces for um, wall installations? Is that is that an avenue that you that you um, are in? Yes, that's another one. I forgot about that. Um, I do sell my prints as well. Um, I haven't set an online store, which I need to, but I've just been putting it off. But I do have a lot of people that, you know, inquire directly to me. So I thought, you know, send them the options, the sizes, um, the mediums, you know, like, I don't know, in acrylic or um, aluminum or canvas or paper photos. And I do sell that and I shoot um, mostly U.S. and Mexico. That's where my clients are. Um, but I can do 
worldwide. So yeah, also my print shop. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And if anyone uh, wants to, to purchase your work, um, how do they go about doing that? Um, I do have a website. Um, so most of the people just uh, contact me directly through my website and then the rest also through Instagram. Like, hey, I want to purchase some photos and that's, I just deal directly with them. Excellent, excellent. And I'll put all those links in the um, description um, below. Uh, I have a few more questions. Again, thank you for your time. Um, what no is the, uh, the, the most um, intense situation you've been in and can you tell us that story? Um, in the water, right? Uh, yes. Um, probably the time I broke my knee. <laughs> um, it was four years ago. No, wow, no more. It's been like six years ago. Um, it was at Puerto Escondido and it was a big day. That's when I realized, even though I wanted to swim big waves, my body wasn't ready for that, you know, and there's limitations and it's, it's okay. <laughs> Now, now I don't swim that big, but yeah, it was definitely a big day, probably 15 feet, 16 feet, I don't know. And it was a day that there was a lot of current. So I was kind of tired by, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours. And when I was coming in, when, when it gets big at Puerto for swimming in and out, you go a little bit closer to the rocks and more towards the, where the boats are. Um, you don't swim straight to the lineup. So you have to kind of like swim or paddle around. And so I was coming in, so I did the same, you know, like I start swimming away from the lineup and just getting closer to the rocks. And I thought I had time it right, but I definitely didn't. Um, so I start swimming in, into the shore and all of a sudden this huge wave builds and it's very shallow there. So, you know, you think all these things in split second, you know, it's like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, do I swim, you know, to the bottom, but then it's super shallow. So I might just crash and trap with me. Do I swim, you know, to the shore or do I swim out in the ocean? And I also was like, I don't think I'll make much progress in one second, you know, so it just doesn't matter. At the end, I just thought about curling up in a little ball and letting the explosion like push me to the shore. Um, and I think I was too close to it and the wave was too big that even if I did curl up in a bowl, I hold my camera to my belly and then I, um, I don't know, I hold my nose. I, th I thought I was like, well, maybe if I'm like underwater for a while, it just saved me some oxygen, but I should have pulled my legs instead. Um, so when it like exploded, it hit me and it was literally an explosion. So it opened my, you know, my arms, legs and everything. And then it popped my knee to the side. And then the MCL, ACL and meniscus um, tore. And it was like instant pain. I knew something was wrong. So I like tried waving for help, but no one would see me. So I was like, okay, I think I'm just going to swim by myself. Um, and start swimming. And I remember I couldn't stand up, you know, because I didn't have any strength on my leg once I wasn't like, by the sand and I remember I like waved at this people that was passing by like tourists and they waved at me thinking I was saying hi I was like no hell but they wouldn't hear me you know so at the end I was like okay fine I'll just 
get out by myself because no one is helping. So I remember I literally, you know, like climb like a dog in my four. <laughs> Finally in the sand. And I just jumped all the way to the hotel that I was staying at. Um, and it was, it was definitely stressing, you know, because the first wave hit. And I remember I had to like get two more on the head after that with one leg and one arm, you know, because you're holding the camera on the other hand. On the other hand. Um, but yeah, well, finally they took me to the hospital and yeah, it was complete, you know, surgery. They had to put, um, you know, build everything back together and it took a while to, you know, two months to be able to start walking again and long recovery, very painful. Um, but then eight months I think I was to my 90 80 percent and then in a year I was back you know to my 100 percent but that did affect me mentally you know after that I think I never swam as big as that and I I am more conscious now um before I was like oh, whatever I didn't care about anything and after that I was like okay is it is this worth it you know like even if I get injured will it be worth it or not but yeah, it definitely changes your mindset. <laughs> when you were in the the heart of that pain uh, for that eight months, did you, was there ever a question that you would go back to it? Um. Yeah, at the beginning, I was like, well, I even walked in, you know, am I going to even be able to be back in the water? But, um, you know, the water therapy is the best so I remember it's like the first things that I was able to do even before walking it was just getting in the pool and it felt amazing of course it's very frustrating you know and especially for someone that is active um it's just a lot of crazy thoughts in your head like oh I hate this oh I you know it's like depression everything because you're not even able to do anything by yourself at the beginning um so yeah, it was scary um, and things that you could have done differently and all those things. But um, but I remember once I was able to, so that happened in July. And I remember that winter I went to, to Hawaii. And I remember there was this epic day at Pipeline and I wanted to be in the water, but at the same time I was like, no, I'm not ready. You know, and someone was like, no, just just swim, just swim out. There's, there's the lifeguards and the jet skis. And for me, always my motto has been like, if you cannot get yourself in and out of the ocean by yourself, especially after this, you know, because I was like, I was hurt, injured, and no one came to save, to save me, you know, it's like in the water, you're by yourself. And also, I don't think it's um, wise or even, I don't know, it's not, you're not being thoughtful of others. If you're like, oh, whatever, they're going to come save me, you know, it's like, you cannot be putting other people, even if they're lifeguards, at risk because of you. You know, it's like they are there just in extreme cases. And like if there is not other way. But so if I'm not at my hundred percent, I don't like swimming out. So I remember, even though I was already swimming, I wasn't feeling ready to be swimming at, I don't know, second reef pipeline, you know, and like perfect, epic, huge pipeline. So I was like, no, even though I'm dying to be out there, I'm not gonna be swimming out there you know because I wasn't and my so something can happen and I'm not going to be at my 100% to swim in and out of the water so it was a little frustrating but at the same time I was like okay eventually I'll get there you know and it took me a year to be able to swim back 
at, I don't know, Puerto, when it's big and it's good. Um, but I think at that point I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get there. You know, even it's months away, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get good to the point that I can be swimming again, <laughs> like the old times. So you spent the winter in Hawaii and you weren't able to go in the water. Is that, do I have that right? I was, I was swimming out, but it's just not when it was huge and crazy. So you were so, doing um, some work. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was still swimming, at, you know, like I, I remember I swam at White Man at some point, you know, it's just like when I knew it was huge and even at Pipeline, but it was, when it was really, really big and gnarly, I would just, you know, wait, <laughs> wait for, for me to be better and again at my hundred. Um, can you touch a little bit upon um, this, this world, um, you know, they call it a man's world. You're, you're a female surf photographer. There's a, a handful of, of um, you women who do it. Uh, Krista Funk has been on the program. She's an amazing uh, female surf photographer. I'm, I'm sure you've come across her in, in your work. Um, how, how is it um, from a man's perspective, uh, it almost looks like an asset if you are at the caliber you are. Um, how, how, what is your perspective of being a female in, in this, um, egocentric man's world of, of surfing and then surf photography? Um, everyone always asks that and they're like, oh, are they nice? I'm like, yeah, I think it's like you said, it's even better, you know, cause you're just one of the few, like sometimes at pipeline, it would just be me and Krista, you know, and Puerto, I'm the only one sometimes. So it's just, um, it's not bad, actually. I think the surfer, the surf photographers, even the surfers, respect you more for that, you know. And when you prove that you're at that level, they take you seriously. Like you don't really have to prove anything to no one, you know. It's like your work does it for you. And so I think you definitely get respected. And at some point, I feel like they see you as they're equal, you know. So. I don't think I've ever had a problem with that, um, with the surfers or, you know. Um, in Mexico, there is more of a machismo culture. So I think you push some buttons sometimes, you know, when you're like out there and someone else is not and, and they're guys. But I think that's more in, you know, this environment where we grew up as like men and women or, you know, more of a different, but in other parts of the world, I mean, feel that um um so yeah i i don't think is bad thing from that point of view what i've seen it's a little harder um it's i think it's more with the brands um they always just call you which can be a good thing you know because then you have more work and they probably won't give it to a man but it's just like they just want you for women's work you know it's like hey we need a photo shoot for women or like they contact you like hey we need photos from a women photographer to women surfers so it's just a lot of just channeling you in this like women's section i guess um and it's hard because there's not many big wave surfers that are women or like i love barrels um there's not many surfers that are women that surf this type of waves that I like. So 
Um, I think that is what I've seen. It's a little harder, you know, to, to like your, you sell your work, not just for women. Um, but besides that, and also like the trips, the surf trips, you know, like usually when they want to send a bunch of guys on a surf trip with the photographer, they send a guy because obviously it's easier for them to travel with, you know, a bunch of guys than all guys and one girl. So that's the only thing I see. But besides that, I think as long as your work speaks for yourself, I don't think there's any, you know, problems. That's very interesting how you you speak of the individual being um, 100, but this corporate world um, being as such. And it's and it, I, I hear the same stories from women who are are in the corporate world uh, speaking the, the same kind of um, vibes. Uh, that's so it's about right. Um, now you you've put out some really great educational content on YouTube that uh, it looks totally. Um, uh, professionally produced i don't know if you produced it yourself um but it's awesome educational content to, for um aspiring uh surf photographers and um i i view i um i urge everyone to to go check that out if it is something that that you aspire to, to get into if you're listening now um what what if you could if you could narrow this down what kind of advice um would you give to anyone who aspires to get in into the water with a water housing and um and and do water photography um well first of all i've always said that you have to have that passion you know it's like i mean mostly everything in life if you are not crazy about it and you don't have passion about it it's going to show in your work but i feel like Photography, since it's an art, I feel like all kinds of arts, um, you are portraying and you're showing everyone else what you're passionate about. So you do have to have that passion for it to show in, in your work. Um, so definitely I would say you have to be passionate about it. Um, and just, of course, there's going to be um, things that are going to come in your way and just just keep going at it. You know, it's like, you cannot just fail whenever things get hard um, and there's going to be a lot of sacrifices and everything, but um, the core of it is just to push yourself to just jump all those, you know, barriers and um, stick to it. So I think it's just follow your dreams, follow your passion, be passionate about it and don't give up, you know, because, of course, there's going to be a lot of things that are like, oh, this comes up and that comes up. But if if you do not give up on it, then, you know, you're going to achieve that. So um, and don't let anyone tell you you cannot do it. You know, I think that the whole what you were saying, like, oh, but, you know, you're in a man's world and all that. Who, who's telling me I cannot do it? You know, it's like, why? Why would I listen to someone that will tell me not? Like, if you're sure about it, just go for it. Don't listen to negative, you know, words or um, thoughts of anyone else. So I think it's just, yeah, if you go wholeheartedly, you're going to be good at it. <laughs> great, great advice. Great advice. And um, uh, this is kind of my final question, a macro one. Uh, what is your um, meaning of life? Huh. That's, that's a good one. Um, I believe in God, you know, and I do believe we're here 
in this world for a reason. God put us in this world for a reason. And I think um, that the meaning of life has come to this earth to uh, make a decision of where are we going to spend eternity. Um, in my case, I know I'm going to heaven, you know, and it's not because I'm being good or not good. Um, so I think we're here on this planet to help everyone find that um, truth and their meaning of where are they heading to in eternity. So, yeah. Epic. Maria Fernanda, um, your, um, your insight today has been incredible and very special. And thank you for um, spending your special time with us and enlightening us to, to what you've done and seen and um, the great work uh, that's ahead of you. Uh, we wish you the, the best of luck. And I really urge everyone to go check her, her stuff out. Uh, on her Instagram feed and kind of, and just see uh, where she's going and where she's come from. Cause it's, um, it's amazing. So Maria, thank you very much. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was amazing to talk to you and yeah, I will be happy to hear myself talking to you. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you know when I put it up. And um, also before I let you go, um, uh, you have uh, three names and I only refer to you as Maria Fernanda. Um, but I, I keep reading also um, Bastidas. Is that right? That's my last name. Okay, so so excuse Maria me. Maria Fernanda is my first name. Okay, okay. Now I now now I understand. Um, should we uh, should we replay the beginning and and I and I say your full name or how how would you like? No, to? we're good. We're good. I like it. All right. Well, so Mar Maria Fernanda is a compound name, kind of like Mary Kate, or you know so. Okay, because I, I did listen to your material on other uh, media before this, and um, and they left out the Bastidas, and I, I said, well, I'm just going to go with what's been done, but um, I'll leave this in the section so we're clear uh, on on the full on the full um, name. No worries. Yeah, I love Maria Fernanda, and the fact that people just know me like that. It, there's not many Maria Fernandas, and you know, other than Mexico, so. <laughs> it's good. I like it. <laughs> Only one for sure. Um, well, again, thank you very much. And um, I, I look forward thank to you. following you and, um, and seeing how your European trip goes this winter. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great day, Maria.